Hey, welcome to another edition of Paytech Talk. I'm your host, Elliot Lyons, and I'm sitting next to your co-host, Emily Robita. And today, this episode of our series we're trying to do about payments around the world, and our country is Israel. So who do I have sitting across from me? I'm Elliot Saporta from Coriander, based in Israel. Coriander is a backend as a service provider for financial institutions. We work in three main verticals, acquiring, banking, and issuing. So on the acquiring side, we serve what's called ISOs, which is independent sales organization, which called elaborate and expand their businesses to work with as many acquirers and providers they can globally. We do work in the local market, in the local industry, but the main functionalities of our business is mainly Europe and the US. Okay. Well, well, like I said, we're doing payments <laughs> in Israel today, and uh, I chose you as our expert. Thank because you very much. Appreciate I've known it. you for a three th- years now. Three years? Yeah. So. You know, I figured you can talk, so you'd be a perfect person for this. You can so, talk, I can breathe, I can come here. It's oh, fantastic. <laughs> Hopefully you can do a bit more than that. <laughs> so uh, actually the last time I was in Israel was pre-pandemic. And I remember being like in the stores in Tel Aviv and it was really easy to pay. I don't remember taking out much cash. So like where's Israel and sort of like the cashless push spectrum? What's their kind of national policy on that? Fantastic. So a lot of change from the pre-pandemic days. So I think the most exciting part is Google Pay and Apple Pay become okay. available in most of the post devices. When you were there, it was touch, mainly NFC yeah. pay transactions, which we use them a lot. But lately, a lot more issuers started accepting, let's say, let's say, registering to the Apple Pay and Google Pay in terms of becoming available. Mm-hmm. It makes the difference in terms of accessibility. of the terminals in the market have already made the migration to supporting NFC transaction and Google Pay. So it makes the whole difference in terms of that. Personally, I don't even carry a wallet anywhere I go. I don't even carry my driver's license, but don't tell the authorities. (laughs) And it comes to going downstairs to the grocery stores, buying vegetables and everything. Uh Anywhere I go, I pay by tap. I was super excited, by the way, when I came here that in December, the metros finally started accepting Google Pay Yeah, Metro, which was a huge change about that part. It was one of the main reasons to carry cash around here because you had to pay for the tills and everything else. Yeah, it's a, I found that we were kind of late in that sort of because London, the underground, they've been doing that yeah, for been doing that forever. For with yeah, you used to you can just pay with your your card or your your phone. But yeah, we were super super late to that sort of uh, innovation, which is strange because the Netherlands is usually a I think progressive the main problem was technologies. The, the terminals themselves require certain adaptation in mm-hmm. order to accept other type of wallets, and it's actually revamping everything and replacing the hardware. That that's usually the friction okay. around that part. A lot of the software themselves, the vendors for the terminals mm-hmm. themselves, not for train stations, etc., have already got that embedded. So the modifications were minor, minor right. software update rather than the actual hardware. But it all depends on regulation. In Israel, there was a huge move with the EMV changes and requirement in the market. Okay. So a lot of people had to change their post terminals to EMV supported terminals. And during that migration and change, it already included the NFC enabled month and the Google Pay and Apple Pay already features in it. So that's what made it frictionless for every moms and pop shops to actually start accepting cashless payment because it was already part of the move. They didn't have a choice. So you see a lot more. I think there's only like 10% of the market remained with the older terminals and that just because they're too small to someone pay attention and not doing a lot of transactions. Okay. So it depends on the type of business it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. And so as far as like physical payments go, we're kind of wondering what are the preferred payment methods in store? Like you said, there's Apple and Google Pay now um, that people are using. So 
is it mostly mobile wallet that people are using in Israel or are there other maybe innovations that have been being used? So as much as Israel is a, let's say, very tech-oriented country <laughs> in terms of the number of entrepreneurs yeah. and startups that mm-hmm. we have related to fintechs mm-hmm. and payments in general, we don't have a lot of wallets in the market. Okay. The wallets that we do have, are, we have Paybox and we have Bit. They are very focused on peer-to-peer transfers. They're based on a credit card behind okay. them, that part, but they're not accessible in stores. We do see okay. some implementation for the BitWallet online, which is great, using one of the PSPs that have enabled that, but we don't mm-hmm. see that in-store at all. So majority of transactions still balance between cash and credit card, and then the Google Pay Apple Pay is still an extension to the credit card, but mm-hmm. still that's one of them. But unfortunately, there's no other wallets acceptable in, in store, like the other parts in Europe or, right. or yeah. let's say Latin America. And others were very limited on that part. We're great innovators, have ideas on how to mm-hmm. do those kind of implementation, but we yeah. export those ideas outside to Europe, US, less do them internally in Israel. Huh. Why is that? I think it's a small market. So everybody included myself, consider Israel as like a QA session. Israelis, we like to give criticism. We like to mm-hmm. say what's wrong with the solution. So we use that a lot. So if we are launching something in the Israeli market, it's usually as a jumping step into other countries, other regions, etc. As personally, we focused always on Europe and the US, less on Israel. We do have some clients in Israel, but we never made any additional effort okay. in order to focus there. We are connected mm-hmm. to the major switch in Israel. We have good connections with the Central Bank of Israel. But it's not a target market that we are focusing on in terms of our efforts. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, that is, that's, uh, yeah, that is a bit uh, different. So in-store payments, cash cards, Apple, Google Pay, the NFC stuff, and uh, switching lanes a tiny bit. One of the things that also got a boost with the pandemic, besides like the contactless payments in a lot of places were, of course, e-commerce because you didn't really have a choice, right? Uh, you had to order your stuff online because you could do it in-store. Uh, so... Was there an uptick in e-commerce in Israel because because of the the pandemic? And has that stayed till now? Like, what's that like? So that part is actually amazing because we do have a lot of service providers trying to extend their services to help Mm -hmm. small businesses to do the delivery part because the friction that you had before was the ability to actually deliver. So you have ordering systems, you have a lot of Mm -hmm. tools in the Israeli market, a lot of marketplace functionalities that you have in terms of the service itself, but then delivering the product from the one selling physical goods that was a bit tricky. But then we have Get, which is a taxi company. That yeah, was, yeah. So Get offered Get mm-hmm. Delivery. And suddenly every small business has the ability to sign up with Get Delivery and actually, bar, let's say, sign up for a dual purpose delivery, meaning come to the business, pick up the product and go to the individual to give it to them. Okay. Interesting. The Israeli Post is okay-ish. <laughs> that, but there's no doubt that the alternative options are better. And then people, I think personally included, prefer mm-hmm. to pay a little bit extra just to be the assured that Get will go and get it and come back and give us the product. But surprisingly enough, you'll see the likes of Next and Chino. Okay. They got a boost in ordering from Israel because people mm-hmm. stopped going to shopping malls and start mm-hmm. ordering a line a lot more. And you see a lot more deliveries coming from there into the extent that they've expanded there where you can actually go and pick up your package so someone ships a package overseas mm-hmm. back then you can only go to a post office branch right. in order to pick mm-hmm. up your package now you have small like 7-elevens that you can go right. to a small shop okay which that actually and vice versa up post-covid got those kind of shops getting additional services on one hand delivering the packages but getting more people into that shop that necessarily I wouldn't have ever go to right. that pick up and drop off. Yeah. So if I'm already there and I have the kids in the car because I have to pick up the package, they want something. So you buy a sweet, you buy some right. pretzels or whatever. <laughs> so that actually kind of nourished those small businesses as well in parallel. Huh. 
Interesting. Yeah, that is because it's not just like the uptick in like physical goods or is, yeah. but it's like the would you call it like last mile infrastructure exactly. a little bit. Yeah, or, they expanded that, which made more sense because then you have the post office itself ships that to those small Seven right? Elevens close to your right where you live where you or live. where yeah. you work and or the post wherever. office become a lot less cramped than it used to be. Right. Because before then you had to go there. It was a huge line because everybody was going to the same place. Now suddenly in a small city, you have like 20 or 30 different locations you can go pick up your package. Sometimes you find yourself going around the city in, let's say, different places to pick up different packages, but it's still much more easier than it was before. Oh, okay. Because okay. here we, we don't like have post offices anymore. Like they just got no. rid of all of them. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of like pickup locations. Or, yeah, we have or pickup lockers, lockers or yeah. everyone gets delivered so at home as well. Yeah. So like, we do have yeah. the lockers in some places, but personally didn't have a lot of experience. It's usually what the merchant decides to, let's say, sign up with right. in terms of options on that part. And then you can make the decision on how to pick it up. Oh, okay. That's nice. That makes sense. So to circle back kind of to like the online shopping portion that you were just speaking of, how do people typically like to pay online in Israel? Because I know we have over here, we have, you know, functions like Klarna and, you know, Afterpay functions. We have Ideal. Ideal, which is the holy grail for the Dutch banks. So Um, surprising enough, on our end, we're providing technology for different PSPs globally. So we do see all the alternative payment methods. We support about 500 different payment methods in Latam, Indonesia, Philippines, India. So we see, you know, the catalog that of the offering mm-hmm. around yeah. the world and what can be. And then when we go online, we pay with a credit card. So <laughs> <laughs> very limited on that part. Gotcha. But we do see the Bit, the wallet, that's starting to become okay. acceptable online. Personally speaking, I don't use Bit. I have my wife as chief Bit officer at oh, home. Okay. But let's say it is something that's picking up slowly. Mm-hmm. And we do see a lot more PSPs enabling that through their payment okay. experience. But it's mainly credit cards. Mm-hmm. We don't see bank transfers online mm-hmm. because we right now have the open banking regulation coming into place. So we do see new PISPs and ASPs coming into the market, but that will take a while till it gets accepted. We're more than happy. We were first adopters in open banking online when we as a platform right. for the European market. We'll be more than happy to enable that in Israel as well. That's part of the discussions we're having with the Central Bank of Israel to see how we do that in the local market. But unfortunately, it's mainly credit cards. Of course, Apple Pay, Google Pay, it's a sort of an adaptation for online because the, the local switch doesn't support all the Google Pay and Apple Pay, which means that providers such as ourselves receive the Google Pay token or the Apple Pay token, decrypt mm-hmm. it on our end as a PCI level one certified gateway, and then send them the, the card details like a regular credit card transaction, which makes the difference. So can technology providers such as ourselves are bridging the gap between the traditional switches and let's say the right. infrastructure in place. Right, because your traditional switch doesn't accept the app, Apple and Google. Mm-hmm. So you kind of reverse engineer it for them? For them, they don't even know where the transaction is a Google Pay, Apple Pay. For them, it's a regular credit card transaction. The Google Pay interaction between the merchant and mm-hmm. us stops there. We get the token from Apple. Okay. We have the same certificate. I don't go. I won't go too technical. But <laughs> we decrypt the data in the institution that is allowed to do right. that, and then we send mm-hmm. them the card details to process the transaction. As far as the switch is concerned, it's a regular credit card transaction. Oh, okay. So it's simple. Simple for them. Yeah. It's like okay. They're agnostic on how it happened. For the merchant, is great. He offered another service on his website mm-hmm. for that part. But for the at the end of it, for the acquirer and the issuer, agnostic. Mm-hmm. You said so, like. If I'm buying some pants online in Israel and I'm paying with my credit card, right? Most people pay with credit cards, but they're very popular. Is there a reason why credit cards are popular or is it just, do you know, like, is it it's just is it... the lack of the options to use something else in the process? Okay. Okay. Credit card adaptation in Israel, most let's say homeowners will have more than one card, one bank card and one external card, which okay. gives you an additional credit in terms of what you can use. Mm-hmm. 
which that's a lot of them are like loyalty card, loyalty associated cards. Meaning, ah, get if it. you buy with this card, you'll get loyalty points for this kind of for mm-hmm. club, something else. So you do see a couple of every family has the general joint account card, right. and another card that might be connected to the same bank account but has different privileges. Okay, what he gets or loyalty points and so on behind that. But at the end, that's the only online option that you have in the market. So oh, there's okay. no really alternative. Most of them do work online, obviously because you have to. Everybody right. right now buys online. Don't use cash. You don't have that ability to pay online with cash. You do have places like let's say in Russia with Kiwi, etc. Right. So you have kiosks that you go pay online to the kiosk, and let's say you pay with cash at the kiosk, right. get a voucher, and then use that voucher to go online. online. There's no need. There's no demand in the Israeli market mm-hmm. for let's say solutions such as that. But you, we do are aware of the fact and how they work and how we can actually use them. Okay, cool. So th- we've touched a little bit about infrastructure. So what's the PSP landscape look like uh, in Israel? So acquiring what let's acquire wise in the Israeli market, there's not a lot. We only have four in the main market at work, and we have the brands in terms of schemes and who mm-hmm. accepts what. So one of them accepts Amex, the other one accepts Diners, which is an right. Yeah, it's Diners Club, a smaller one in the Israeli market, and one of them actually has a label that's very local to Israel, which is not an international card, doesn't okay. carry the Mastercard or Visa, let's say brand mm-hmm. on it. But between those acquirers together, there are smaller PSPs in the Israeli market, not a lot as well. And the ones that are working in the local market, looking outside to see how they can expand the business outside mm-hmm. of it, because you can serve 15,000 merchants in Israel and still make very small profits. As opposed okay. to what you can serve if you were catering that many merchants online elsewhere, where would you be? Okay. But technology-wise, that's the fun part of it. Most of them mm-hmm. are very advanced. You do see great relationships between them, sharing the relationships. Oh, that's good. Because if there's something you can say about Israeli entrepreneurs, as a lot of us <laughs> like to work with each other. So even the fact that it might not make perfect sense and I can go direct, I would prefer to work with a friend in order to bridge the integration rather than just trying to go direct and never use it. Oh, that's good. On that part. So that nourishment in the market, that's fantastic. On our part. Okay, so if I'm a merchant and I want to set up my online shop to sell my pants, is it is it very easy to, to kind of do the payments part? Relatively speaking. So onboarding-wise, it's not fully automated, unfortunately. With some okay. of them, you do have workarounds around that automation, which will get you to in a certain extent. But let's say with the majority of them, there is some friction in the process mm-hmm. itself. A lot of them are aspiring to get to like the Stripe business model, right. automated onboarding. Mm-hmm. And then if the settlement time comes, then we might have some friction requires some additional documentation, which is okay. So some trying to get there, but the problem is at the end of it, the acquiring banks. Not all of them have the license to onboard the merchant underneath them, which that kind of gives you that ability to remove Mm -hmm. the friction in the onboarding Mm -hmm. process. But we're getting there. We're not, let's say, pre-pandemic, it was impossible. Now you do see kind of the early ones that are trying to get to those automation processes and are getting us to a place that life is much easier. Okay, so it's it will get there eventually, yeah, but sooner rather than later. Exactly, but for the merchant, it's the tricky part about finding the right one, finding the right partner that will give you that flexibility tech-wise. Exactly. And that getting to know these kind of players, that's the tricky part. A lot of the successful PSPs in the market don't just offer payment processing. Mm-hmm. They offer mm-hmm. you a full suite of services around that. That's what kind of hooks the merchant coming mm-hmm. in, which we love those providers because... It's never enough, just payment processing. No. It's the war around pricing is done. It's never around if you pay 1% or you pay 1.1%. Mm-hmm. That's not what's going to win you the merchant. If the value-added services that you Absolutely. offer around that part, that's what's going to hook them and bring them in the door. And then maybe you charge a bit extra for the other services, but the merchant sees the benefits he's getting for right. the additional services. 
And that's what makes the difference. They don't have to go to somewhere else and find like someone to do their KYC. And then working with multiple providers yeah. and then the other providers you wanted to use isn't connected to the PSP you chose and then suddenly you have to rethink everything. It's always that kind of frustration, but that's global. Mm-hmm. That's anywhere you go. Yep. Yep. Is an orchestration a big service in Israel too? Or? You don't need a lot of orchestration as an orchestration platform. (laughs) (laughs) Given the fact that we're very limited Mm -hmm. in the number of providers you have to work with, there is some friction because of the schemes. You have one acquirer providing Amex. So if you want Amex, you have to juggle between a couple of providers. Majority of merchants won't need to work with several. They go to one PSP that has that orchestration basic. But there's no cascading. There's no other functionalities. There's no, listen, credit card transaction declined. You might want to use software to learn Uh It's a different alternative, ideal, as you would like. <laughs> you don't need that because you don't have those options. When we okay. offer those kind of orchestration services online, so if a transaction failed for whatever reason mm-hmm. with credit cards, we do offer alternative payment method to try to pick up the order right. so the merchant will not have abandonment in the cart and you say the customer okay. will leave, will actually have that second option to improve the transaction and approve it. Okay. Okay. And then so moving into like person-to-person payments, we all go out to eat, for example, and then you have to split a bill. Um, here we have Tiki. Everybody loves Tiki. It's like, send me a Tiki. You know, it's a whole action and now. But how do people kind of do the same thing in Israel, especially if it's mostly with credit cards, it seems? So, or Apple so that's Pay. where the Paybox kind of wallets came yeah. into place. Paybox allows you to transfer between uh, friends. Okay. I don't know if there's a verb for that. They didn't make anything yeah, out of it. Did they make a verb? <laughs> yeah, again, but there is, if you go to a party, you collect money into your Paybox account yep. or someone's activity to the Paybox account. And then from there, you can cash out to mm-hmm. someone else's credit card using Visa Direct or MasterCard Send. But at the end of it, it's, again, very limited. We do have yeah. some competitors to pay to pay mm-hmm. box, but the experience itself is very frictionless mm-hmm. on that part. And right now, they're talking about regulation to allow you to transfer funds between your accounts. So if you have money in your bit and if you have money in Paybox, you'll be able to cross oh, like say, transfer funds between the, yeah. one another. And they are allowing for wallets such as this to offer interest on the money that you hold within the wallets. Because usually the traditional, let's say, course of action, you get paid into your Paybox account, you cash out. You don't yeah. leave your money there. You want your mm-hmm. money in your pocket mm-hmm. at that part. And Makes now sense. there's going to be, let's say, an interest in- incentive to keep your money within your wallet in order for, let's say, encouraging the customer to handle it, let's say, within it and then not doing an additional transaction to load it again in order to pay someone and so on. So we might be getting Tiki. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tiki's great. So like, so there are no account-to-account payments. That's not very... It's within you know. those wallets, but at the end of it, it will okay. cash out your credit card. Uh, so, okay. okay. Interesting. Yeah. So in terms of like popular local payment methods, there's Paybox. It's Paybox and Beat. Those two okay. options. So Beat is an account-to-account, but it's based behind the scenes on a credit card implementation. Okay, cool. Nice. And then kind of to wrap up, we want to know what is something unique and special about Israel's payment ecosystem that you think that people should know about or that you would like people to know about? We always find a way. So that's, I think, more generic, not just about the Israeli payments Mm -hmm. ecosystem, but about Israeli entrepreneurs dealing with payments. Mm -hmm. We'll always find the workaround that's needed for whatever market we have to tackle. The, the great part of it, let's say, Central Bank of Israel is that the guy leading innovation and payment mm-hmm. system right now used to work for the schemes, used to work for payment startups. So he is well aware of what the industry needs and he knows what's going on in Europe and the U.S. Because other let's say, regulators didn't come from the entrepreneurial side of the world. They came from within the regulation and they're very focused on the 
this is the methodology, but he knows where he wants to go and he'll get there and he will make sure that everything is done properly, but he does have that state of mind of an entrepreneur going there, which that's great benefits to us because we have faith that it's going to come to the Israeli market and we're actually going to see adaptation that we're used to hear about, talk about, integrate to in Europe and US and still lacking it in the Israeli market. So I think that's the, the great part of it that mm-hmm. we see a light. <laughs> oh, that's good. There's always hope. There is always hope. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Paytech Talk podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. It was. And thanks for listening.